We're like the typhoid Mary's hand of like mixing the ice cream of being in people's <laughs> lives, like directly affecting them, but only by like typhoid alone. I would love to be. Oh, I was thinking of a typhoon. I would love to be a typhoon. Maybe also a typhoid. Hello, I'm typhoid, and this is my co-host, Typhoon. <laughs> We're a tornado of disease. God, that is what we are. You and mm-hmm. I together are a tornado of disease. Sorry, I was just reading something on Facebook that was like, call your senators. They're having steak for lunch right now while people go out and have to get food from food banks. I'm like, you're right. I'm like, that is fucked up. <laughs> oh, that is fucked up. You should t- drag them out into the street and behead them. Yes, we should do that right now. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Read This Way. I am your host, Jace Wingate, and this is your other host, me, Renee Pogue. And welcome back to Read This Way podcast, (laughs) where I, Jace Wingate, and your other host, Renee Pogue, talk about um, graphic novels and graphic literature and how they make us feel. And, you know, we're just a hurricane of disease hurtling towards your ears at this very moment. (laughs) (laughs) An unstoppable motion of something, something good. I lost my train of thought. No, that was perfect. I think you said exactly what you meant to. I guess that's like the quintessential millennial thing because Gen X is very like, uh, whatever, who cares? And Gen Z is like, how soon until we get to burn this place down? And we're just like an unstoppable tornado of, oh, well, I guess this is our life now. We're not passionate often, but when we are. When we are, we'll be passionate for like two months like we'll occupy a state park for like two months but after that sally may is gonna find us and then we have to go back to reality for a little bit yeah i saw something it was a reductress article local man goes back to work um refreshed and re-energized with new hatred of his job and i'm like that's our generation (laughs) i'm like that's 100 percent us like i know people are afraid of like true nothingness the idea of our consciousness I know that people fear that, but like, I think it brings me such peace. Any worry that I have currently, if I take a moment, I'm like, one day, none of this will matter. I will return to that from which I came and my consciousness will cease to exist. Honestly, that mindset changed my life. And I'm not even trying to be like a motivational speaker, but it was one time. I mean, it's it's something that I've had in the back of my mind since I was a teenager. Because one time I was really stressed out at work and one of the guys I worked with, he, he just like looked me in the eye and he was like, chill out. Is any of this going to matter in five years? Take a deep breath. It's all going to be okay. I wish I could remember his name because uh, I should really I should really give him some credit for that. Obviously, there are things that matter now that are going to matter in five years, 10 years, et cetera, like who you vote for in the special Georgia runoff election. That's going to be also- pretty impactful. <laughs> but there's also <laughs> some things like, doesn't matter if I finish this crossword that I'm currently working on probably not if i don't finish it i'll be fine 
Yeah, like when I break the Capricorn mug that was holding like markers and stuff <gasps> because I was trying to get my backpack, it fell off of the printer because we are like super crammed. We have so much shit in this loft. And I freak out and I like get angry. And then I'm like, why am I mad? I broke the mug, which is sad. I feel bad that that happened. But also like it fell off of the printer. Is Rob a Capricorn? Yeah, Rob's a Capricorn. How did I not know that? His birthday is January 2nd. I mean, when we go on tour, when we actually, when this becomes our job, this podcast. (laughs) I actually had a dream last night that we were on tour. So I'm manifesting it as we speak. I'm manifesting by proxy. We're going to manifest this together. Apparently I'm a much more powerful witch than I thought I was. So who fucking knows, man? I'm excited for us. Speaking of exciting, I actually do have... A question for you. Jace, what were you doing when you were 12 years old? What was your life like at 12? When I was 12, I, what was I doing when I was 12? Neopets. I was playing a lot of Neopets. I um, was in chess club. I was playing a lot of Donkey Kong Country with my friends in Extended Day. I think I had a GameCube. So I was playing GameCube a lot. Not, Not in the drug trade at all? Not firing off Uzis at will? I was made several offers to join the cartel. <laughs> you know, I think I think I made the wisest decision at 12 as I could. I'm not going to say I made the best one, but I probably made the wisest. I chose, I like to think that I chose life over fame and wealth or infamy. Mm. Nice, nice. And you, and you feel like it was the right decision? After reading this second half of... The careers. I feel like I made the mis- I think I made a mistake. <laughs> you, you know, you could have been firing an Uzi off of a off of a bike when you were a child, and instead here here we are recording this podcast. And here we are. If only living vicariously through. <laughs> if only I had learned how to dual wield at the age of fifteen instead of trying to. Well, what was I doing at fifteen? Uh, I have a vague recollection of fifteen. Uh, I think I was very heavily into Jesus then, so I probably wasn't dual wielding, but I couldn't, you know? You were like dual wielding, like the cross and the Bible. I think I was um, in a lot of Christian plays then, a lot of youth group plays, encouraging people to, you know, worship Jesus. Just, you know, it's a pastime. <laughs> it's it's, it's a pastime. It's a way to quell the boredom. You know, you don't always have to get involved shooting up gangsters. Sometimes you can just do an interpretive dance to a Michael W. Smith song, and that can be how you get your kicks. You're shooting people up with the word. Oh, that's so good. Why ha- Why take heroin when you can be shot up with the word of yeah. Jesus? Be high on Christ. I am basically a youth pastor. Give me my puffer vest. I think we both technically have put in enough time like to be youth pastors. I think if I if I can make enough puns about today's music and culture, you know who was a true renegade? Jesus Christ. I think there's so you bring up that excellent point that I feel like there is such a fine intersection of like being really, really hot and making terrible dad jokes and like youth pastors <laughs> meet at that intersection. It really is. I joke, but that is really it. It doesn't take much to uh, get kids invested in the word. Like if you're hot and you make stupid jokes, I'm like, fuck, at 12, 13, I'm like, you're my type. 
Let's go. Let's right? go on a date. I'll pa- I'll pass all pamphlets. <laughs> we get to spend time with you. <laughs> oh my god! I, pro- <laughs> I promise that the Couriers is a very interesting graphic novel. I feel like we're always like, oh yeah, that's right. We're doing a graphic novel. Oops. I love that. Well, what I love too is that like you give me an inch and I take a mile. So it's never like, it will never be me who tries to get us back on track. I will always follow you, Renee. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, let's talk about this. (laughs) But like, damn, damn, what a fucking intro. What an intro. Because I had no idea what was fucking going on. So before we jump into it, before we jump into it, I did, I totally forgot that this is technically a part two. Mm. But because the reason I forgot was because uh, listeners, what's interesting about the couriers is it's a story that's told um, in a nonlinear fashion, meaning that the last two um, chapters, technically I would consider them prequel to the first two chapters that we covered in part one, which mm-hmm. again, if you are just, if you are chaos incarnate and decide that like you would rather just listen to part two, not knowing the information, it actually might benefit you to listen to part two before you listen to part one and you'll get a more linear story. But um, yeah, I think you could get away with it. Yeah. So I was going to threaten you to go listen to part one, but like now that I thought about it, and used rational my rational mind. I was like, "No, you can just stay here and listen. Oh, we won't even we won't even give a recap. We'll just." I feel like the only recap you need is we have two people, special, and Mustafa, and they're they're badasses, and that's all you need to know. They're badasses. They do a lot of shooting, and they are uh, they're they're pretty awesome. They do a lot of really awesome things. And I don't mean awesome as in I agree with it. I just mean awesome as it it inspired awe. A very a very objective awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not like, oh man, I want to do this. I'm just like, oh fuck, that's kind of cool. I didn't know a car could go off the road like that and still operate. I didn't know um, a teenage girl with two handguns could somehow massacre three men with machine guns. But it happened. I do love in this scene... I mean, it's very similar to how the other ones have started, where just immediately explosions and cacophony of bullets everywhere. But this time, we didn't have any sort of, like, reporting or police interference when there was a fucking Red Army driving a chopper or flying a chopper into New York City. But in this instance, where some guys are shooting up a limousine... Now Fox 5 is there to uh, to report on the events. I would like to have a little smidgen of the badassery that Special has. Because, listener, this 15-year-old girl with two handguns facing off against three grown men with machine guns just hops out from behind the limousine offering her cover and just runs up to them while shooting at them and somehow wins. It's incredibly fucking badass. And I would pee myself before I would be able to do that. I'd probably be peeing myself while doing that. 
She truly operates as a person who has nothing left to lose at the age of 15. This is before she's actually employed by Johnny Funwrecker or whatever his name is. Is it Funwrecker? Yeah, Funwrecker. Okay. Who looks who looks a lot like that general from Yeah. This is before she's employed by him. This is just her like tryout. She's like, "Oh, hey, I just happened to be here and you know what I love doing?" Shooting and killing people. She literally showed up and was like, I have these two handguns and I need a job. It just That's how she gets her job. That's how she gets her job is just by showing up and deciding to kill some people that day. So she becomes like a human murder machine and a driver in the same day. And then we meet our second hero. I'm just going to say hero with a question mark at the end. He, maybe hero. Like our yeah. other our other player. Her other player. (laughs) And then the scene shifts to show the second major player in this tale of ours. And that's little baby Mustafa, who is 12, 12, 12. 12. A grungy 12-year-old fuck. But I love his his dare shirt. Uh, I just say no to drugs. Yeah, like if you want to throw the cops off of your trail, just flash your dare shirt. It always works. Always, regardless always works. of like the potent smell of weed, they will not. They're like, you're right. You did the program. And of course, like <laughs> the cop exists only as like a, a vehicle of exposition. And it's like mm-hmm. Johnny Fundrecker is some crazy fuck who runs. I also love that he curses at a 12 year old mm-hmm. who runs drugs and weapons out of Chinatown and the LES. He's got that converted tenement block down off East Broadway, like some kind of goddamn fortress. And then by that point, Mustafa's already gone. And perpetual street party because Johnny Funrucker is good to his people. Hey. Well, and the, and the money and the power. Like, yeah, Johnny, that's exactly what you have. <laughs> Honestly, like put that quote up. Who said it? Kelly Loeffler, Johnny Funrucker. <laughs> So Mustafa basically gets in the way all all good relationships start. He has a big old bag of weed and he's like, here you go. I'll share my weed with you. So drugs. And then we they create all good relationships. And we have the fateful meeting of Special and Mustafa. And of course, the first thing she does is uh, try and shoot him right in the head. Yep. Put him in kill shot range. Just when he's about to get shot in the head, he's like, wait, I have Coke. And then they're like, Coke, Coke, you say. And we see just like the type of person that Johnny Funrecker is. He has no time for bullshit, which is how he got to be in the position he's in. Yeah. And uh, he's basically like, okay, if you have it, then go get it right now. And if you don't, I'll kill you. I love how they capture how much beer he's had in that one close-up shot. Cause you mm-hmm. look in his eyes, you're like, Oh yeah, you've, I know exactly how many beers he's had. Oh yeah. I've had that look in my eyes before. Oh, same. And then they kind of sway backwards. Yep. I know that one. Yep. I know that number. And then look at how much taller special is than Mustafa. I know. Well, yeah, he's only 12. Yeah. He's like a baby. He's up. Baby, I cannot stress enough how much these two are babies. Well, and then, um, well, and special already is like, listen, I want to protect you. 
you don't need to get involved in this. And then she's like, oh, you come from wealth. And we meet Mustafa's mom, who is like, <laughs> who spits in Special's face. Yeah. And it really is what changes Special's mind because she's like, you come from a nice place and you have good parents. Like, why are you even trying to get involved with this? And then she meets his mom and she's like, I get it. We're stealing all of their coke. Let's yeah. go. So, yeah, we're taking literally every piece of cocaine in this house. So they get the coke. They go back. Johnny Funrecker's like, great, we're going to hire you. Thus begins the training montage. I will say this is, and I, I understand this is from like the early 2000s. And it was before this definitely became a as much of a cliche as it is these days. But, man, I just hate the training, the sort of montage that they have here that they do in so many action movies where it's a dude who is just coming in, who gets trained by a woman who is way more skilled than him, way better than him. And it's all about bringing him up to her level so he can be better than her. Yeah. And I hate it. Because we already, like, the first five pages are all about showing how much of a badass special is. And then it's about, oh, well, now we're going to bring him up so special will become his partner. And when it's obviously like, it's yeah. the other way around. It's like we showing how badass she is only for the sole purpose that the reader can be like, oh, yes, she'll be a good person to train him. I don't really, yeah, I don't really have much to say about this montage. It's a lot of showing him how to maneuver around the city and get the job done as efficiently as she does obviously mustafa he is he's grown up with a form of luxury despite his shitty parents and special has had to grow up within the city she is trying to parlay all of that into teaching him how to become as adept at maneuvering the city as she is i love the the game stats that we see on uh, day 17 and three quarters where we see how much, how skilled she is in compar- comparison to Mustafa. She really is this badass who has worked probably for 15 straight years to become the way she is. You know, it, it's she's trying to bring him up to her level in just a month. Well, and I would say that her stats should be higher, like... Because from what we see, I'm like, oh, 50 and everything. I'm like, on a scale of slash what? And then also, like, I think she's more skilled than that. Mm-hmm. Although I do love that Mustafa has NA for intelligence and wisdom. Yes. And does negative one constitution mean that he just pooped his pants? Exactly. I'm like, so your bowels released. Yeah. Also, this next job, uh, like, I know they talked about it in the first issue, but man, just seeing the forced sample acquisition is just really creepy. And special is just getting a lot of glee out of it. I lo- So what I love about this is when the fucking FBI approaches Mustafa outside and then they go to they go to hot sauce. They have that little powwow about like, okay, well, if you can keep a secret, then I can tell you this. So we'll keep each other's secrets. And then it's the FBI. She He gives Special the FBI card and she's like, this is perfect. We're going to double cross everyone. This whole plot is Special's idea. 
Mustafa would have been totally fine being a drug runner for Johnny forever. Yeah. Like, the whole like, reason that they are freelance is because of special. And I love, well, special is totally like way, way, way bigger picture. Special's like, this is fine for right now, but I'm never not climbing the ladder. Also, is this, I didn't notice this before. Is this the daughter at Couscous Express? Is this his girlfriend? Because she would have been like five or six at this time, if not younger. Yeah, she looks a little bit too old. Yeah. But I'll get into that in the next issue. What we're focusing on now is just special deciding, yep, we're going to double cross Johnny and uh, you're going to help me. And then Mustafa fucking blows it. Of course he does. Well, because the FBI people are like talking in his fucking ear and he's like, shut up. I can't focus if you are constantly talking. And then special pulls the gun and she's like, let go of him, Johnny. Can we, like how fucking badass it is. Three dudes in suits, plus Johnny, all sitting around a table, 15-year-old girl with two guns, and she's like, don't fucking move, or I'll fucking kill all of you. That's that's power right there. Exactly. So, and then how does she double-cross both of them? It's She keeps the cocaine, and then she keeps the money. Yeah, so she bas- they basically double-cross the FBI because they don't give the FBI anything that they wanted. I just have to say it's just incredibly genius that they decided the way to do this is basically a worker uprising. It's a proletariat uprising against their oppressor who's living in a goddamn compound doing nothing but drinking beer all day. Instead of trying to fight against him, hey, would you rather we all work together and we're a team or... You know, do you want to stay under this guy who doesn't appreciate you? Yeah, she's brilliant. Also, I forgot that she fucking gets shot in the face. Yeah. So that's wild that like she and all of this, the one person who like confronts her and this is so cinematic is like her ex who she dumped or whatever the story is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she also sidebar listeners, Mustafa at this point is a 12 year old driving what becomes their like known car in the earlier episodes is driving a fucking car to pick special up. Yeah. They're like, they're trying, they're trying to find a meet point. Meanwhile. And then she's driving with a hole in her fucking face. With a hole in her face. And that's, what's wild to me, Renee is I think it's 100%. That's how, you know, she's badass. Is she's like, she was prepared. She was like, I'll die from this, but it was just the luck of it ricocheting off of her cheekbone or like just grazing her cheekbone. And just the way she addresses the people is so fucking smart. Listen, the feds know about Johnny. They're going to take him down. Do you still want to have income when this is over? Yes, a fucking course they do. So it makes sense. She's like, do you want to be 100% in control of everything you do and all of your money? Or do you want to keep working for somebody who takes most of it? I also love that she's so over this guy. She's like, whatever. Which is weird because it doesn't seem like she's been working for him that long. She just got over him very quickly. Blam. Oh, uh, and that's how she gets her scar. From getting shot in the fucking face. He goes, whoa, is that you? Is that your blood? Fuck, that's a deep cut. What happened? Nothing. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, way, way more badass at 15 than I have been in my entire life. 
and then just completely tricks him into going into the Lincoln Tunnel so that Mustafa can kill his uh, his driver. But then, like, Johnny doesn't stop. Oh, my God. He's so fucking on fire. I, I read that. And I was like, oh, God, he's a demon. Can you imagine having somebody on fire jumping at your car? In a helicopter that's going down. No weapon whatsoever. He's just like pure demon rage, like going to kill. Mm -hmm. Special takes that gun. She goes, I got this. Of fucking course she does. For all of that, they only have to do seven years. Yes. And they get to keep everything. Well, I would say that's probably like, I think my favorite was probably the first chapter. And then this was probably my second favorite. I think this is definitely, it's, it's very entertaining. And I think it really goes balls to the wall insane from the first page and then the end is just them skating off guns in hand because why the fuck not why the fuck not this is um this is uh def jam radio <laughs> yeah and at this point they're what 19 and 24 22 22 yeah 19 and 22 i can't do math i'm gay right um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because she was 15 19 and 22 and just like ha learned nothing learned nothing from being in juvie just both of them in there counting down the days until they can be free and do whatever they want to do so this next chapter i will admit was my least favorite uh yeah yeah because the fourth the fourth component of this um anthology Follows the story of Mustafa's 16-year-old girlfriend, Olive. And the narrative that they imbue it with is one of, she's this privileged girl. Her parents own the Couscous Express where Special and Mustafa eat constantly. And the the art style is different from the rest of the book. So I'm assuming this was probably the first one that they ever drew. Right, Renee? Yeah, so this was yeah, this was the first one, even though for some reason canonically he has it as the fourth. So I'm guessing initially Olive was supposed to play a bigger role because I think other than in the first one where she has a very small scene, and then in the last one where we see her for a split second, the first time they go to Couscous Express, she's not really a big part of it. But I'm assuming initially she was supposed to be. I initially liked it. She seems like an interesting character. And then as soon as she's like, I'm 16, I was like, you're what? Oh, that's kind of creepy. And he's 22. Okay. So she was like six years old when they showed her in the last issue. So it made me uncomfy. I was like, oh, do you not know that this is like, not cool again doesn't really diffuse the tension between olive and special like first off this relationship shouldn't be happening second doesn't like deal with the fact that olive is viciously jealous of special when she should yeah, need sure. to be and the fact that mustafa's known her for a very long time so he's known her since she was a kid and that also makes me feel icky yeah, like you've like this girl you're dating. You've probably known since she was like six, school and she was like a baby. But I, I guess I did notice the art style is a little bit different. I feel like the reason this one 
is probably, well, other than the stuff we've talked about so far about why neither of us particularly like this one, I don't feel like the stakes are as high. Agreed. Of course, you know, it is kind of cool that they defend her parents' business. I think that's very cool. It's a very cool story. And if this was, if this was the first one we had read, I think it would be cool. I would still feel very icky for the stuff that you and I just talked about, but it would still be pretty cool. But we've literally like seen them take on the feds and a drug kingpin and a militia and a the red fucking army by this point. So to see them just fight against like some thugs is well, and like I also after seeing like where they are in their journey and then getting that training journey of Mustafa, then it's like, oh, and also here's the same training story, but now it's with Olive. Oh yeah. And specials training you. And like and she's and she's just like she's so whiny the entire time. And like it, you're right. Like this should have come, this should have been the first one in this collection. It just it falls flat. I like I don't feel better for Olive. I'm glad her parents didn't get murdered, but I'm also just like, I don't really like you. I mean, it is kind of I don't know. I feel like the way their relationship is depicted makes makes me f- feel almost worse about it because he con- uh, Mustafa constantly treats her like a little kid. Constantly. It's always she needs to grow up. She's too spoiled. She's immature. Okay, well, you're 22 years old and you're dating a 16-year-old. And there's not necessarily any point where he really treats her like a girlfriend as opposed to a little sister. Exactly. And the secrecy behind the guns. Like if, if Mustafa finds out that you have these, it'll cause this like drama. And it's like you are involved in like truly the blood money living. Yeah. It would be ridiculous if she didn't have a ton of guns, like given the type of world she enjoys living in because of Mustafa's line of work. And like, I just don't think the interruption of stasis is enough of like, she, my mom dated this thug and he feels as though since it was his mom's recipes that he deserves a cut of the money. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) it's Okay. It's fucking hummus, bro. Start your own fucking restaurant. You care that much about your mom's recipes. Start your own fucking restaurant. I don't know. Like I said, like the stakes just don't particularly feel high enough. And also I don't, I mean, it's just so easy to write a 16 year old as an annoying character. Exactly. Like it was the easy stereotypical choice. Yeah. Like there's no gravitas to her character. She's just a 16 year old who doesn't take anything seriously and doesn't appreciate anything. Well, exactly. Wrote it poorly. Like, oh, I see this mm-hmm. narrative. I know how it works. And then to do it, like, not well. Because she, she like, there's no, she doesn't do anything. Like, she almost kills the guy. She, like, holds him at gunpoint. She's brave in that way. But then, like, special still comes in and saves the day. Well, because she has to. Because for some reason, we have this manufactured conflict between her and specials so there has to be an instance where she realizes how important and good special really is but then she's still jealous of special i don't know i'm like um not my favorite chapter no Uh, and 
just acting recklessly, like when she goes by and throws the fucking grenade, which fucks up everything. And then she gets in trouble for it because it was a stupid thing to do. And she's like, don't say shit like that to me. I'm supposed to be your fucking girlfriend. I, regardless of your relationship to me, if you were being crazy and stupid, I tell you you were being crazy and stupid. Yeah, like you're making the situation worse. And yeah, yeah, Mustafa and Special were right. I was a spoiled brat bitch who took her family for granted. I learned my lesson. I was wrong. They were right. Hope you got that the first time. No way I'll say it again. So you are going to continue your bad behavior. You, you actually didn't have a change of heart. You know, that's what that reads to me. Like, I'm still prideful, and I'll admit I was wrong this one time, but never again. What have you learned from this, except that the kind of dangerous life Mustafa and Special both lead is really fucking cool, and you enjoy it. So what has really been learned from this, except that you are probably going to continue getting yourself in trouble? That's like my one critique about it. I'm like, I probably wouldn't have shot on that part as hard. If it had been earlier, if it had been like the first one. Yeah. Like if this would have been the first one we read, I definitely would have felt differently about it somewhat. I don't know. It just feels very low stakes. It feels like there's not a ton going on. And also we just have this main character that's, like you said, just like not well thought out, not well written, just like lowest common denominator when it comes to character traits of a 16-year-old girl if you want to give us that empathy for her, then write it in. I'm not just going to feel emotions for this character because you've decided she's the girlfriend of your main character. I want to like Olive. I really do. But, I mean, damn. Give me a reason to. Literally just give me any reason to like her. It's very frustrating. Who am I, who am I mad at? Brian Wood? <laughs> There's a list of three men. Oh, oh! you're telling me three men wrote this badly written teenage girl uh, character? I don't believe you. Yeah, that's... I, I'm in disbelief right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know my fateful question. You know what I'm going to ask you, Renee? Ask me. Ask away. Would you recommend The Couriers to someone else to read? I would recommend... One, two, and three. And I would probably recommend they read them three, one, two, because I really feel like Johnny Funwrecker should be the first one. I mean, I can understand why it's not. And I I am fine playing with timelines and everything, but it feels weird to read it after you've read the other two. Like I really feel like it should be three, one, two, or three, two, one. I feel like that's also a respectable way to read it. But I think, I really do think it it is a fun piece of escapism. And sometimes you just need a fun bit of escapism. So I would. I, I don't know if I would recommend Couscous Express, even if it was the first one they read, because I just feel like the other three are so much stronger when it comes to everything that's happening. I don't know. What about you? Would you recommend the series to someone you liked and cared about? Uh, yes. I and I think mine would my recommendation would come under the same um 
I would I would recommend it in the same light. I would do the exact same thing. I would say that I would skip Couscous Express altogether. But I had a really great time. I would watch this series. If they like produce a series out of this, I would 100% watch it. Oh, that'd be uh, so fun. I would watch it too. It's so it's the it's the wild abandon of just living day to day and truly living for the next paycheck for the next mission. And yeah, I, I, I think that that's definitely a fun part about it. I would. I'll say I'll say hard yes, but with a preface of like, hey, you might just want to skip the last one and also you might want to read it in like the three one two, three two one order. I definitely think three should come first. I think three is a fun little romp and I and any of them could act as a good introduction. I just feel like three might be the strongest. Agreed. Three is literally yeah. the beginning of their relationship. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I, I, I think it's fun to start it in chronological order, even if it wasn't written that way. I think it's fun. Yes. Listeners yeah. start out. That was the couriers. And this concludes our first season of read this way. Our first season. We did it. We did it. 13 episodes. I'm not sure when our next episode will be out. It'll be sometime in the new year early, but we have some pretty cool stuff planned in the new year. And hopefully, hopefully when it's safe, by the time it's safe, we'll be able to start doing live shows for you. Yes. And you guys can get the unfiltered version with our 18 rabbit trails. It's a three hour long show. Before we even get to the subject at hand. We hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure talking about this stuff. I feel like I've learned a lot about myself through the literature we've read. And also, like, I wish you a happy new year. I I wish you a happy new year. I hope that you, you know what? Fuck it. If you want to set goals, set goals. If you don't want to set goals and you just kind of want to get to the new normal and assess from there, set healthy boundaries with yourself, set healthy boundaries that help you navigate this new normal that we're about to be in and take care of yourself. If all you can do in the new year is take care of yourself, then make that your goal. That should 100% be your goal. Start there and, you know, continue because we can all do with a little bit of taking care of ourselves. And while you're taking care of yourself, follow us on Instagram at read this way period podcast. Or yeah. if you if you want to send us an email telling us about how you took care of yourself into the new year, we would love to hear that. And if you have a recommendation for a graphic novel for us to read, please send us an email for any if you just want to talk to us, um, send us an email at read this way period podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Yeah, even if you hated us, just like, you know, tell us. And we won't change it all, but it'll be nice. We'll we'll definitely um put your your nasty email in our suggestion bin, which yeah. yes, is is a trash can. I love my suggestion bin. <laughs> I love Wednesdays when my suggestion bin gets taken to the bigger suggestion bin. Oh my it's gosh. trash day. It's trash day. I, I turned <laughs> incinerator. 
I watched The Flames. I'm like, yes. I have started putting all of the shitty, or not shitty, I guess, but all of the mailings from David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler go straight into the fireplace. Might as well put them to good use. Yeah, might as well. Well, listeners, have a happy new year, etc. We're happy you're here. We hope you continue to be here. And um, until next time, I'm Renee Pogue. And he's Jace Wingate. And I'm Jace Wingate. And this is the Read This Way podcast. This is the Read This Way podcast. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.